This is the first episode of the Monday Show. I'm Shiqi, and I will be your host for today. For those of you who don't have any idea who am I, I'm just a regular student studying in Monash University, Malaysia, trying to just live life and know people, and hopefully gain some perspective into what I'm heading in the future, and hopefully you guys can gain something from it too. Just a disclaimer: this is just only for entertainment purposes. Each episodes I'm making is just to get gain a little perspective in my life and get to talk to more people. So say no more and let's jump straight into our guest speaker of the day. She is also a regular student like me, studying ar- architecture in Taylor's University, and also ran an online business. So Kaylin, would you like to take the floor? Yeah, sure. But I'm here to clarify that it's not really a online business, more like charity run. But speaking of it, like running charity business, oh, during architecture school was one hell of a ride.、Mm. So, architecture itself is already, I would say, it's like such a rewarding, rewarding course. At the same time, it's really, really like pressuring and pain, and it really takes like some some grit to get through it, get through like even three years of degree right now. Um, I'm in my final year, but getting two, three years of degree is—it takes a lot, a lot of grit, and it's quite a lot of students who pulled out up until like before three years even ended for them. And let alone you got to pull—it's the exact same duration of a doctor's course, which is like up to like six to seven years. And after that, you still got to study for your part three, which is like what accumulation of almost almost ten years, depending on how fast you can study. So oh, that's like really a lot. So like, yeah, that's a lot of parents go like, why don't you just become a doctor or some shit? And I'm just going like, ah,、uh, so it's so different. It's so so different. But yeah, I can just like talk just about architecture school. Of course, I don't I don't speak for every single person,、mm-hmm. but based on personal experience or so far what I've done up to for close to two and a half years. It's been quite hectic, really a roller coaster ride. And being for me, I have not taken architecture as a foundation course. I jumped straight right into it right after taking Ausmat. And for those who doesn't know, like what Ausmat is, it's like a foundation program of like there's A levels and there's like and there's like、um, CIMP. There's other foundations, but basically foundations are like a really general study so that. You just get like a really really shallow water into uni life, and they prepare you for a really really general wide aspect of studies. So、right. I did that thinking that I might not take architecture, so I just sort of like chicken out at that point. And also because my parents were like sort of like telling me that, you know, there's always other choices. Why do you have to stress yourself out in something like this? Because You know the stories about architecture. So no sleep, no, no proper entertainment, no fun. You know, like a lot, a lot of time you just spend studying. But well, that's why I'm here to tell you what it's about. And the funny thing is, I kind of regretted doing Ausmat, but I also don't regret doing Ausmat. It's like a fifty-fifty thing, where in a sense, where things that I learned, I'm glad I learned. But I wish I had taken foundation in architecture, sort of guide me through today. So, being someone who's not taken foundation and then jump straight right into architecture, the first few weeks were just me 
playing around with tools that can kill me. Like, oh, like blades. Like blades or 30 degree angled blades. And even mm. after that, even rulers can kill you because metal rulers are sharp. The heck are sharp. Like the tips of it, yeah, one end is rounded off, but the sh- the other flat end, it's actually really painful. Yeah, that that I can't relate to. <laughs> <laughs> and my gosh, it's awful. Like I'm sure, like okay, for you, like maybe even if you try rubbing like, your fingers across a normal plain, uh, plastic ruler, the friction itself already gives you like burns or like it hurts. Yeah, you know, yeah, like, sometimes yeah. you tend to clean the ruler. Yeah, but for us, it's like we don't even want to touch the metal ruler. <laughs> And like honestly, the difference between cutting through like clear plastic rulers, like using plastic ru- clear plastic rulers to guide you, is easier. Mm-hmm. But because it's plastic, we always cut our rulers, and the number of rulers that we have as replacements are like I just bought this literally two days ago, and now I just cut it again because we forget that we can't use the plastic ruler. We gotta use the metal ruler. So yeah, that was like that was like the first week of architecture and. Actually, just the first assignment itself, many of my friends, including me, didn't already didn't sleep for the first three days already. And, mm. and when you think about rejection, uh-huh. you think like I, I'm not saying like working classes or anything like let me ask you, like during during uni, what 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 kind of rejection were you fear of? What like for you? Like rejection as in what yeah. Kind? Rejection, okay, I wouldn't say uh, romantic rejections or like uh, love interest rejections. Like, what kind yeah. of rejections were you afraid of? Like, your parents saying no in terms of like what you want to study or your, or like perhaps, you know, you're doing really, really well and then someone else just saying no, you didn't do really well. Like, what kind of rejection yeah. did you get? Okay, okay, that, that's funny though because like, um, like at the start of like my uni year, I like actually like before even entering like university, I was like, thinking what should I study and I'm like mm, I think here and there and like yeah I like to like serve people and then like make people happy so I, I went into hospitality you know as like a diploma yeah I took hospitality diploma and then I worked for like quite some time then I thought like oh you know I'm pretty good at this but like my parents like at first were kind of supportive but after that like they were like oh you know like why not you know, try something uh, more professional? I guess, yeah. So and yeah, I'm just I'm just like kind of lost. So that's mm-hmm. I think kind of like one of the rejections. Yeah, I would yeah. say in terms of like what you're doing, and then up until that point, your parents goes like, "No, nah, you should change, right?" Yeah. So it's like yeah, exactly. that kind of rejection, and it's like a one. T- I wouldn't say a one time off rejection. I would say it's like mm-hmm. a, it's like just a rejection, and then you just need to think about it, right? But mm-hmm. I would say like. Up until up until architecture school, I didn't know what rejection really was, because mm. that kind of rejection happened like every day. How and why I mean rejection is like for every model that you make, and what I mean as in model, as in not your fashion model walking down the streets, as in like model making, like you build mini versions of buildings or designs mm. or something miniature to represent mm. your idea, and these models. Are has to be according to a theme. So, the the first assignment in architecture for me was to build a model that uh, could represent the basic form and functions of um, any design. So, like mm. 
the design principles are probably like simple shapes or simple things that goes like tells you that it has to go linear and these elements are the basic building principles of design i wouldn't say just architecture but in the sense of design and for me i was finding out what those design words even mean like those design words and all to me when i read it was like oh it's circles and squares i got to add them together <laughs> like or or because it wasn't really you got to build a building in the first semester it's to understand how you know shapes and forms um so it was very different than yeah. i thought architecture was mm. and then after that i was like and then i was just figuring out you know reading through the brief and then i started designing right so you don't have time to think you just got to start going in because you got a submission in in about a month yeah. actually not a month it was like three weeks tops so the first week itself was already orientation so mm-hmm. that leaves us two weeks to do the first week itself the first class itself we already started doing model making and the funny thing is during my class um the most memorable thing that happened was first day in class and there's about 50 odd students in one class right cutting mm-hmm. cutting cardboards and like uh reading briefs and whatever not trying to figure out what's going on and then suddenly i hear this oh shit like a really loud oh shit and let's uh keep in mind that there's lectures in class lecturers there is um guest there was a guest speaker and there was um 50 odd students and i hear this whole old shit and everybody just turns and my friend actually cut through his and his finger with the blade the first day itself yeah. and blood was like gushing out oh and all of us were like oh my gosh <laughs> so architecture school yeah wow and, what a great way to start right yeah exactly and back to like i was speaking on rejection is we all were making this models right based off the the fundamental design elements and principles and within like a week we are ought to produce like six models and wow. at the finals we have to submit six models too but that's what you hear finals you got to submit six models but you don't understand that between in between you didn't know that you got to do way more than just six models it's oh, like, like you do one model and then you give it and then you show your lecture your lecture will be like you're a bit too slow please speed it up the process right i mean he is just guiding you and then mm-hmm. i did up to six models within a week yeah that's expectations shows my lecture on monday itself which is the same week of submission mm. and then he goes all this don't apply to your design principles i don't know what you're doing you're you're just mashing up shapes and forms like this is just really redundant there is no purpose and that was the first rejection i had for all six models i had to redo mm. and and then after that i was like all right all right, all right. i got to be positive about it it's only the first week of architecture and then redid the whole thing for several days and let's see every day i still took pictures and showed him like what i did and then up until the final submission i did about 18 models and oh wow, that's a lot like 18 models Yeah, because every single one of them were constantly being rejected, and even up until the final day itself, like as if tomorrow is going to be submission. Till right now, at this hour, I was taking pictures and showing my lecture to see if you know, it is this is what I'm supposed to be doing, 
And up until that point, I have I have like so many models, but my final six, and he still rejected the two, my last two. So if he rejected my last two and I just took it, you know, took it plain to heart and I just only submitted four, that would be such a big deal for me because actually I, I'm at a loss. And I at that point, I actually decided, can I swear? Is this podcast yeah, a lot of swear? Yeah, yeah, so yeah, I, I decided to swear, like, fuck it, you know, because <laughs> I only had four and the rest are like, even for me, after he gave me comments, I looked at it and I was like, oh, this is shit, you know. And so my top six, I just submitted it. And I still presented it on the next day. And I didn't sleep for three days straight. My brain was like on caffeine without caffeine. Uh, it was the first time I set up for three nights straight. And my, my adrenaline was quite high. My, my heart was pumping like insane. Uh, and I could just feel like this this gush of energy to like just finish it. So yeah, then I, I straight up just went and presented and guess what? That's when I realized rejection is also a form of um, finding your style, right? What you mm. want and what you don't want in architecture mm. school. Because yeah. on the day of presentation, like the lecturer that uh, uh, created me, which judged me, you know, isn't my own lecturer. She was, she was uh, another lecturer and she came in and when she created me, she was like, she told me, that the model she liked the most and was the most she felt bizarre and are like really unique was the model that my own lecturer hated it the most. And I was just so shocked at that point. I was like, what? And I was just really, really like aesthetic that, you know what? I I got, I got like a a compliment. So, so yeah, that's when I say like in just this short like session, I would say like, that's when, you know, architecture is tedious, painful, takes a lot of grit but at the end of the day it's so rewarding when mm-hmm. when someone decides to say your design is so unique and they see what you see and you know right. the things that you are envisioning aligns right. and I think that's like a really fundamental thought of how architecture is you know yeah. I wouldn't say not I wouldn't say just architecture but most design things because it's quite subjective some people might not like it some people will and mm-hmm. but the main goal is that you pursue through your own design and you don't let people's uh, concepts or people's um, prejudice affect your your own design mm-hmm. and then give up at the end because at the end of the day, that is your design and you are supposed to make people understand your concept. So that was like rejection, rejection, rejection all in a week. Actually, I would say like five days. Yeah, yeah I think like that's like, you know, like very important advice for those who are want to take architecture course like after listening to this podcast they're gonna know like you know what is the what is the deal they are getting themselves into you know so i think that's like yeah that's like important but like um Mm -hmm. i didn't quite get like you talked about like choosing uh architecture like why why did you like choose architecture because is it like just like rewarding and Right. Yeah. Is it, so, is it just because it's like rewarding and stuff? Or actually, like, no. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know architecture was rewarding at first. Honestly, I, I I only learned that up until like my reaching, reaching my third semester. Honestly, reaching my third semester only, I really realized I was rewarding, and 
what really got me looking up architecture school was really I was someone who liked to draw a lot. I really loved drawing. I wouldn't say like it's the best best kind of drawing. I I personally like to draw like League of Legends characters back in my days and then I would draw like small commissions. Some people would tell me to draw their favorite characters like Dota characters or even up to like really cute characters like you know Lilo and Stitch. We really character based. It's a really like uh I would say fan art, fan art drawings. Or occasionally I would draw buildings, but those are even buildings in game. So I was really heavily inspired by games and I thought I wanted to be a dis- like a designer, you know, like a character designer or a game illustrator or something like that. Along those lines. Mm. But something hit me it was like Malaysia doesn't really have that niche for design. Back then, you know, when I was mm. thinking, uh, this was like during high school. So, I mean, I did look up, but I just, I just felt like my with the Asian influence also that you know this kind of jobs won't get you far. It it sort of felt gave me that pressure that oh uh, I, I can't do this kind of jobs, you know, and also it's not like I have extremely good talent in drawing. I just did it for fun, mm. and. I didn't have I didn't have like the finances to buy myself a digital pad or or anything that allowed me to digitalize my work. So I found it hard and I told myself like okay I can't I can't um dive in straight. So I was like maybe I should find some other options that allows me to uh expand my creativity to continue drawing and at that point I really liked math. I really liked math. So I was like googling Honestly, just googling sub uh subjects or like careers that require art and math, and architecture popped up, and I was like, "What's architecture?" Like, I knew the phrase. You know, you hear the phrase off and on. Like they always say in books, like "a oh, perfect architecture, great cities, city styles, like great lifestyle, yeah. um, yeah. inspiring environment, like all these things." Organization. <laughs> exactly. Like you hear all these words, but then you don't really understand what it really means up until you really look up for it. So after like looking up what architecture means and what they study, yeah, it's not what you actually say. It's not those advertisements, happy moments, happy moments. Yeah, it's not like that all the time. So I was like, okay, this looks interesting. And I started Googling like what do architects do? I didn't just look and in a really shallow state of, oh, it looks fun. I want to join. It was more for me. It was like, I, do I really want to do this as a career? Mm. Do I really want to invest my time? Because I looked it up. It was 10 years. T- I mean, like, um, also listening to some other professional architects on how long they spend. Some of them took 10 years. Some of them took less. Some of them didn't even do masters. Mm. So it was really, it was really an, uh, how to say, exploration for me to find out right. whether this was what I wanted so so what happened was it was a whole research like freaking like pill as buckets and like just pouring and just sort of looking out whether this is really what I wanted but the more I dug deeper into architecture the more I fell in love with it like I fell in love mm. with the process where I looked at how people said that it was very boring it was very it was very sad after you study architecture where people don't value your creativity creativity they value your labor work and 
I just sort of felt like I at that point when I read, I know, did all these features, I felt that sort of like repressive, very depressive moment. Like what I, I studied so hard for like up to almost 10 years and, and people are going to neglect the simple fact that I can design and they're just going to use me to do work. So I was like, it was a really, really big um, decision. And then, but I took it as a challenge also. Like what if, you know, instead of a bad what if, what if at the end of the day, I don't do those labor work. I mean, I sure will, but I don't end up being uh, stuck in an office job, similar to an office job, like designing or sitting down, designing other people's work nine to five. And I don't get to learn anything. I just do it, do labor, you know? So what if all those things? And then a lot of architecture firms are when the student or the architect decides to cut out from a really mainstream um, architect firm and then they start off their own. So I had that kind of passion. It was like, I'm going to start on my own architecture firm and I don't want to treat people the way people treat me. And it's not that I'm not going to be strict or I'm not going to be a certain way, but it was sort of like a challenge to look that I can break out of the norm. Right. I could try to break out the norm and sort of experience architecture in a different way. And I told myself that if I fail architecture school, I can still bake, you know. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not gonna lie. I was really, I I can bake. I wouldn't say like actually get really good baking. Yeah, but guys, I can like bake. Can really bake like good I, I didn't say that. But anyways, <laughs> it was it was it was like you know I have a backup plan. Plus besides that, my my studies weren't weren't too bad. I would say they're pretty average, average a slightly higher than average, and. I felt like it could still have me back up. And that's why I took Osmat. In case I really flung architecture, I would have a backup plan. Mm. So I was really all for it. And I was like, if I fail, I fail. I ain't going to regret because I felt like the process was really a learning curve. And up until this point, I'm not going to lie, it is still a learning curve. And it's really fun in that sense. And. Right. So that's why I personally took architecture because I felt that there was a certain passion that I wanted to have it. And there was also that that skill set that I fell into, you know, that I could draw, that I could create, that I could design, that and I also could do math. And I kind of thought that was what architecture was. And I would say 20% is true. 20% is true as what people advertise. But architecture school is so different from working environment mm. and personally for me it's like a quick gist of what I am what I have learned up until this point is that architecture school is you get to learn everything and anything that a person needs in life it, as in personal space as in um, of it, like needs of um, space in Architecture is a lot about spaces, like quality of spaces and mm. quality of this, how this building comes out. It's not just um, like your regular office block, you know, like, oh, it can fit like 60 rooms of offices. <laughs> it's more of if I have an office space, I want to have a work-life balance. So beside the office space, I maybe I plan to have like a, an open space, a, a you know, a getaway, like a green space that helps the workers have a better work life and take a break from work, 
take a look at greenery, sort of something like that, like a really quick gist. I'm not going to delve too deep, but it's just that sort of planning and mm-hmm. also that sort of design. Maybe I don't want square tables, you know, square tables maybe makes you feel very disconnected from someone else. That, that long table, maybe from one person to the other person, you're so far away, man. The other options, like a round table, right? I mean, yeah. a really simple thought is that a round table can everyone is equal radiant uh, radius to each and every person. So it was quite, it was quite like a an eye opening thing. And every day, I'm actually not kidding. Every day, you learn something new. Why? Because architecture is more like a discussion. That's how you learn, and that's why we value as architect architect students. You know we really value peer discussion. And what they meant by peer discussion is we talk. We mm-hmm. talk a lot because everybody has a different view on something. Yeah, you're going to have something that is really similar. Mm-hmm. Like, if I tell you ice cream, you know, you're going to come up with ice cream and cone, ice cream and steak, ice cream and a cup, right? Tea These tea are life. like <laughs> tea life. Like, that's yeah, a flavor. Wow. Uh, that's different. That's like a topping, you know, like, but, you know, but still, as in, if I give you, like, a pure fundamental word, ice cream, what you're going to come up with is those, maybe some, along those three lines. But the thing is, the process of making those ice creams are so different. You know, mm-hmm. the learning. And then, thus, you know, outcome, you might not just have a cone. You might have a cone merged with, you know, to get those ice cream chart cones. It looks like three cones merged in one. Mm-hmm. It's still a cone and an ice, it's still an ice cream and a cone. Or mm-hmm. I give you a cup that is like not just a cup. It might be a really high, like a long high cup. But because down there I could hold the cup easily, it's easier for me to eat the ice cream than the regular small low cup. You know, you get in those 7-Elevens that are like, you know, Milo ice creams, like that small cups that people say I meant mm. for kids, you know. Or, or like ice cream on a stick, right? And then... But ice cream and a stick, and you could think of it differently. Like, what if that stick, you know, could be like uh, something that you could use after that, like a build up or something. You can use it to build something, or or by collecting it, you know, I can actually build a plane through collectible. So, even down to what materials we use, down to what spaces we want, down to how we want to feel about, you know, designing something. It's just how like you want to eat that ice cream. Sometimes when you hold a steak, you want to feel mature. You know, you got the steak, right? And you yeah. feel like, oh, if I can eat ice cream on a steak, I'm an adult. Something like that when you were a kid. <laughs> and then yeah. when you get a cup, you feel like, oh, I'm a messy person. So I, I have a cup. And oh, it's easier to hold. It's easier to you know, reduce mess. And I'm using a spoon. And if you have uh, ice cream in a cone, you go like, I, I don't want to just waste the, the steak. I want to eat what I'm holding too, you know? Of course, Corona right now. So, But the, the thing is, it's that. Every single design has its own unique reasons and emotions. And it and architecture is really poetic and okay. also function. There's like two wide aspects of architecture. I feel like it starts off with people who really emotionally uh, want to express. It starts with poeticness. But then also is that there's also that a stance where it needs to be useful. You can't just create a ball and go like, because I feel that ball that building that looks like a ball is so you know like round it's so clear it's like infinite it can expand forever not like something like that and but inside like think about it. you're gonna have flaws you can eat 
like levels. You gotta play with gravity. You still have gravity on Earth, and you gotta build all this, put furnitures in. Mm. You still gotta have places for people to sit. If a round ball, you know, things are gonna roll around. Things aren't gonna be flat. You don't have a flat surface to attach anything to. Structurally, with you guys, like if you wanna put like a cupboard, you gotta customize it. And normally, people wouldn't do that because why? Most standardized built structures or like furnitures are, are squared off. They have a flat surface. I'm not saying all, but you gotta think logically too. Whether it's even usable, whether your user, your your client, can even like does it wants to even have a design like that because it might be useless at the end of the day. It might just be decorative, and that really beats the purpose of having an architecture. You know, it's just a waste of space. But if it's in like an installation, then that's a different thing. Because installations can be removed and stuff like that. But I'm thinking more on sense of um, permanent architecture. Yes, there is temporal architecture too. But uh, permanent architecture, like like homes or things that are going to be there for a long time. You got to know understand how your building affects the people now and the people in the future. And mm. how it's going to affect the people who are already there. You can't just neglect. You know, these are called like site, site context, and you gotta understand what's going on. You can't just selfishly design something. So, I feel that architecture up to this point, every time it's like a learning curve in a sense where you also get to learn things beyond architecture, like psychology, structurability. Mm-hmm. You know, these are like physics, or down to, um. Uh, I would say poetics. Remember I mentioned poetics? Like writing, you know? It's, you end up becoming a writer and then you end up becoming a researcher in physics. You end up becoming like, sort of like understanding how a human thinks because you need to know how to design for humans. And of course, not just humans. I mean, talking about those other architects who design for, you know, like, I would say like animal shelters or, or things like that. Like, really 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 niche or like specific designs or requirements you know Mm -hmm. but in general we are designing for humans or a space to sort of like get the client's idea on what they want and at the end of the day they are going to be people using the spaces or basically or i would say even animals i've seen (laughs) some architectures yeah i've seen some architectures for animals but mainly it's more generally it's more for humans so you get to really go in depth on how human really uh, someone really thinks or someone really lives their lives and i know it's a bit stalker-ish but or creep but you know when we do site analysis which we really see like i know the place that we're going to build our building we actually really stare at human beings you know we just stare at them walking 24-7 like, oh, what do they do? Where do they go? What do they eat? Oh, like, because, yeah, this this is really stalkerish. <laughs> and imagine, you got to... Just recently, you, you know, I had a class uh, site analysis project and we had to all go to this site which is in Klang and everyone just sat down. We didn't really know what to do. We just stared at people. The lifestyle there was really different. Mm. We sat on there and we stared at people and especially during COVID too, you know. We stare at, like, where do they go from office to work to home? 
And because of COVID, they had only that that sort of journey from their home to office to avoid co- contact with anyone else. So oh, that, that's actually like really, really like new to me. Like as in like you guys like just ran on the on-site experience and just like sit there and just like look at people's lifestyle like whoa. I mean, like, I never think not, that- not only just stare at people, you know, we, we end up like asking them a lot of questions about their life and it's like we go up to someone and we go like hey you've been living here for oh, 20 30 40 years how do you feel um what do you eat on a daily basis like how do you live your life on a daily basis? what's your what's your work schedule like all these things it's kind of it's sort of creepy but then it helps you understand who you are building for and not just i want to build and it is so how do I say accommodating in the sense that you need to fit that specific need? It's like a niche um, design that can right. only fit at your site. Right. Like, but, what like, if your building what? can be plucked out and be put somewhere else? Then, yeah, I wouldn't say that. Sorry, I wouldn't say like that's really architecture because mm. you are building specifically for that site and you want it to fit there, you want it to be accommodating for the people there. And you can't just say that if your building can be plucked out and let's say from Klang, I pluck it out and I'm going to put it in some beachside area and yeah, yeah, yeah. like Kuala yeah. Selangor or or even all the way down to Port Dixon. Like if it can fit, I'll be saying that you didn't really design it enough. Mm. Like it, it can be still pushed because if it can fit for anyone and anyone, that's not really accommodating to that person, that people inside. That means you didn't really fulfill what they really need. Mm. You're just fulfilling what a general human being needs, you know, like entertainment, satisfaction, spaces to play around, you know. But how it really reflects, it's it's a really process. It's a really real process that that even right now for doing it for about five semesters already, I would say that um, even looking at my peers do their works, I'm learning so much simply because we look at things differently. and But we're all looking at the same side, like I mentioned. We're looking at the same thing, ice cream, right? So, But now we're looking at the same site. And a lot of things are going to overlap, you know, just like ingredients are going to overlap. But they're also the process that of us getting at the end, final end product is, is really, really interesting. So I was just figuring it out. How how we could get there, mm. and so I would say that it's really really. I was saying really really a lot of times, but it's a process that you don't really experience. I feel from any other cause. Mm. Like, of course, I I I wouldn't say that I've experienced other causes, but it's just that I've always been someone who's like. Up until this point, you know, most Malaysians would have that uh, sort of education from books. You know, you just go into books, exams-based, paper-based exams. Every time, it's just like that, you know. Up until uni or or high school, you know. Mm -hmm. And you you are still doing that paper-based exams. Which is, um, I wouldn't say bad. I'm just saying it's sort of like, that's it. You don't, you don't get evaluated based on anything else and it's a good and bad thing I would say for some people who are really study like I can study then they 
is Corey Wells. Some people who I know facts about this uh, subject, but I don't know how to express it or write it down or memorize it in words. It's kind of hard. So I would say architecture sort of like, because architecture course is like a hands-on course, it lets you express what you want to say. But there's also paper exams, you know, there's still some some things that you can't change. Like steel is steel. You can't bend the laws of steel. Like you can't just say, I want steel to become like liquid mm-hmm. and it will stay liquid forever. And it has to be in my model, you know, like something like that. You know, you still there's still some certain facts that you gotta have because you're still on earth. There are some rules that you gotta play by. And materiality and so our structure, all these things are really things that needs to be the backbone of your building. If not, the buildings you build won't be able to be built because no one's gonna no one's gonna waste so much time or even the thought of building something that is so such a fantasy is gonna be such a difficult um work unless you're like a billionaire or some some stuff, you know, which you can afford to spend all that time and money to experiment and find out new ways. But I feel that there are laws that you have to abide to. Even then, even if you're so rich, you still have laws that you got to abide to. And not only that, you got building laws. Every every country has a building law, which we, call, we have to follow. You know, these bylaws are what makes your building... Um, how do I say this? Mm not neglecting the other parts like fire escapes or a minimum amount that you got to have steps even mm. because like if your step is like smaller than your foot you're going to slip and fall and you can't even climb it so these rules are there for a reason and i wouldn't say these rules are limiting it's more like guiding you and making you burst more out of the box with the rules Right. So some people like of course when you first start off you'd be like, Oh my gosh, there's so much rules. I, I, I don't understand. I I can't they just give me like a blank ground and just make me design, you know, like but the more the more rules you have, the more you realize you can actually explore how to bend around these rules, how to work around with these rules. And you learn a lot of um how do I say this? Mm. Personal personal experience as in like learning how to do research beyond what you're given. Mm. It makes you want to search more. And why I like architecture is because it gives you that growth, that that inspiration to want to know more about something. And the lectures aren't going to push you, actually. They don't mm. spoon feed you. They just tell you, go read more. But they'll give you the thought, you know, they'll give you like a thought process. Like they'll tell you, you know, for me, when I look at what you design, you probably you probably missed out that, you know, the way people enter couldn't could just be more than one. Why does it have to be entered through just one door that opens one direction? It could be an archway that is open, that maybe you have different spaces on inside that people can use at, you know, use at different times. Right. So all these things are like, like it's just a learning curve. And when you get that feedback from your lecturer or your friends or, or someone, an external panel, like a professional that comes in and talk to you about it, right? they crit your work. You suddenly go like, 
it's not I mean sometimes you go like oh I feel like my design isn't good enough but then there's also that push that goes like oh my gosh I need to look up how how, how do you even make that work is that even possible and some part of you goes like I'm going to prove this lecturer wrong I'm going to prove this person wrong it's impossible you know some part of you just just wants to say that so you do that research to sort of like slap that person in the face you know just go like I did my research it's not going to work out you know and then that person is going to be oh I understand now but then but then in the midst of doing that research, you go like, whoa, there's actually more to it than just a big no. Mm. It could be a big maybe. You know, oh. I mean, it could work out. So there are a lot of things in architecture that I felt that I, I hadn't really experienced in terms of fundamentally studying up until high school or up to OSMAT. Um, there's some things in life that I took a lot from architecture. Of course, time management is a whole different thing. But I, I'm still bad at it. I'm still bad at time managing. But stress levels were really high. But at the end of the day, why I say it's rewarding, like I said in the beginning, it's really rewarding because, because out of all these processes, all this stressing, all this, all this uh, no sleep nights, you have friends who are there for you that's going through the process with you and you get to see how they think and wow. you get to learn along beside them. So I, I can't stress enough that peer peer learning is mm. so important and peer discussion is so important because you get to have this learning curve beyond your day-to-day classes. And it's like you're learning from architects, even though not, we are not all qualified, but we're all designers in our own way we were able to see things differently based on our own perspective and experiences and also acknowledge right so architecture is so much more than just you know wanting to build a building it's a lifestyle and it really changes on how you want to value something honestly right now i value sleep above anything else but (laughs) and but the thing is the rarity of us even going to bed to sleep is like we would rather sleep on the floor because it saves time for us to get up from the bed and then go to go to do our work. It's like we're right next to your work. So it's just that that kind of process that makes you value something differently makes you want to find a different reason or a different end goal for your building. Something and you always try to break out from the norm, you know. You see all your peers doing the same thing, and you're like, I want to do something different. And then you try. And then might be good, might be bad. I don't know. But at the end of the day, the process that you learn from your peers, your lectures, you doing research, you staying up late, you not eating for some days, you not sleeping for some days. I wouldn't say weeks, but days, or like rushing assignments and at the same time, you know, like trying trying to just find that thing that gives you value or that concept that gives you that drive to finish your bot models or your um building is both rewarding and taxing. And but personally for me saying at the end of the day, I feel that you guys shouldn't stress out your health over your studies. Like, it's important because right now, as even if I'm speaking, I'm sick. I'm hecka sick. But but what I regret is that, you know, 
I didn't finish my shit on time because I didn't time manage and that's why I got sick. And I didn't really respect my body enough to, you know what, I tell, the, tell my body I can get rest. So if you are in architecture school or, you know, you're thinking about studying architecture school, I'm just telling you, just take a rest first. Like occasionally, I wouldn't say rest until um, procrastinate and just totally forget that it's a deadline. But take breaks. Take breaks. Take well-rewarding breaks. Time yourself in a sense where if you can't time manage, you know, what I personally do is that I I put down like up to three hours or like two hours, I will be just model making. I won't be doing anything else. I don't want to care about my design. I can't think because sometimes I just get that. You just get that big boulder that blocks your, your thinking process. So what I do is I do things that are mundane, you know, like this podcast, mundane. I do something mundane, like doing things that I know already exist, like your site model, you know, things that you can't change already. That's how your site's going to be. Then I'll build a site model. It doesn't take me a lot of time, but while doing the site model, maybe while doing it, you realize like, oh, this building is shaped differently. And it's on the site. You're like, maybe I can take inspiration from it. You know? Mm. It's just that you doing mundane things might get uh, inspiration from it. So, Or maybe you just by sketching the site plan or perhaps just you running through your brief or even or even when doing taking your breaks or just maybe you just don't feel productive at all. Just scroll through Pinterest. Scroll through Instagram. Go look at other people's works. Just don't think about anything else. Just scroll through. You might get an inspiration. So, Taking breaks are really important, especially when, you know, you can't think. I feel like you should have like a solid, solid break for a while. Get a shower, get some rest. That's when your brain starts to work again. It's a muscle. You can't overstrain your muscles. Mm. So yeah, I feel like architecture is a really lo- real learning curve. I'm sorry. I, I mean, I just feel so passionately about architecture, but then at the same time, I also hate it. So it's like, <laughs> Love and hate relationship, right? Yeah. yeah. And a lot of people say that you can't love. You either hate it or you love it. But I feel like I'm so in between. It's like, it's playing my feelings worse than a guy can play my feelings. Like, oh. Oh, that's a strong one. <laughs> yeah, but it's kind of true because, you know, like, um, it's something you need. And I wouldn't say like having a partner is something you need. Or there's so many single awesome people out there. And, but having, having something that you want to do or something that you love doing is so fundamental. It's something it is something that everyone will have. You know? And it's that challenge that wants you to push yourself to do better at what you want to do. And it's just that, you know. It's just that that desire to to do better rather than just saying I wanna pass. I think architecture is you can't just say I want to pass and then you take the course. Mm. And you take the course because it's a 70%, 70, 30%, or 70% being courseworks, you know, like physical building models. You just do it because you feel like it's, uh, oh, I can just do models and then I can just pass. It's not. It's more than that. And even if you started off thinking like that, at the end of the day, after you go through architecture, the way you think about things is going to be so different. And I have a lot of friends, even peers, who who don't, didn't even take architecture for the sake of doing architecture. They did it because they wanted to do something else. But their parents were like, Asian parents were like, no, this job doesn't make you earn money. And then they had to take architecture. Because it's the closest thing to design. And a solid job. And Asian parents' mindset, you know. 
and also being Malaysia's contacts, right? So because we don't really have other designing departments that are being recognized as much as something that is like architecture, you know, or it's just that it's just that thinking. Other courses are amazing too, definitely. So yeah, I mean, anything else did you like want to ask about architecture for like, you? Then? Okay, well, well, like I'm like what hearing from what you say, like I'm actually like quite inspired, like going to architecture. So like, I wish that I could switch to architecture right now. But like, oh my gosh, <laughs> but like, but like, yeah, but like hearing you like go to like can't go to bed and then like you have to take breaks. Like, I'm glad that my business school, you know, actually. Like, I don't, don't have to, like, stress so much about it. Yeah, like, 10,000 times. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, but... Right, so, so like, you're, like, really, really happy at where are you right now? Like, studying local at Taylor's, you know, architecture and stuff. But I wouldn't... Okay, it's okay. You can carry on first, carry on first. Right, right. Sorry. But, like, do you see, like, actually a need to, like, travel to overseas to study? Yeah. See, the thing about architecture is, um, I felt, I feel that Malaysian, Malaysian, um, architecture school really explores, really explores, or, like, I feel for tailors, they make you design, really make you explore the designing, um, concepts i'm not promoting tales by it's not sponsored by tailors it's just i'm just telling you my experience they really make you go all out to find out what you like to design whereas i feel like maybe i've heard from other unis local unis that you know they they are very uh how do i say mm, very straightforward or like very realistic they don't want you to design too much in terms of oh this needs to be curved this needs to be it's more like I need to fit six people and I need to be designed for six people. So it's like form, literally, they ask this form or a function and form and function, you know, like functionality is much more of a heavy thing for other unis, I feel. I, I definitely wouldn't say that I know this as a fact. I'm just saying what I'm hearing from other unis is that um, they are heavily more on logical sense less less more of um exploration on bizarre designs or something like that. They are more down to earth. They're more this is it. You gotta play by the rules. Straightforward, straight up. And it's a good thing because it tells you like what you can and you can't. But I so feel that there is also that need to design beyond the box. That mm. need to explore design itself. And also that's why, like, I see when you speak about design, Malaysia has, I sadly to say, Malaysia doesn't um, reward those who design things that go beyond because we are a developing country and the main thing that hits us is economy over design. So they would rather build skyscrapers that can maximize profit for them rather than a building that can maximize health, economy, and lifestyle together. They would just economize, you know, put money out there first because it's important. And being, um, being like, uh, growing up, you would also hear, you know, from parents, you know, like quickly, quickly study and then work hard and earn money. You know, that's it. Work hard, earn money, and find a job or 
you know, then then you'll be happy. That's a really stereotyping kind of like mentality. And I wouldn't say for all Asians nowadays, but most Asian thinking is that find a job, you know, work hard and then you earn money, you'll be rich. And once you're rich, you're happy, you know. But at the end of the day, even if you have all those money, the work and you have the work you have, the placing you're working at and stuff like that, if it doesn't help you live a life, how will you ever be happy? You don't even have the motivation to get through your work. How are you gonna earn money? Like all these things are so important in a society and especially city settings. So I feel that right. sadly Malaysia doesn't really push the boundaries or or reward people who design things that you know that allow lifestyle work life balance and also I feel that Malaysian architecture is a bit straight not all of it there are very straight, many very straight yeah <laughs> okay. you see yeah so like a lot of things are like copy and paste the C&P you know you see that scrubbing and next scrubbing into the next scrubbing thing but when something stands out it really stands out because overseas right they they do reward. I wouldn't say all countries, but take uh, Sydney, for example, or Australia, for example. Every single building you walk down, there's either heritage reasons or cultural reasons down to also, you know, government, whether they whether it's valuable for them to keep that building as an asset or does it hold any value in historical terms? You know, all these things are analyzed. And down to, if there's a next building, how will it look like? Do they allow it? Will they reward it? Will they want it? You know, all those things. When you walk down Sydney or even Melbourne itself, you tell me that, do they all look the same? Even just by looking at pictures online. No. Why are, why are cities wallpapers of people's desktops? Because they contain so many beautiful individual buildings that are different, but yet they are fitting. It's design. But Sally in Malaysia, everything is like the same. It's copy and paste. Imagine if you... And everybody just take a picture of the one building that you know. KL Tower. KLC. Yeah, exactly. Because it is standing out of the norm. It's not square. And it's so useful where it's like a lightning rod. You know, it has lightning rod. And so many people really think that it's it was like a really, really good design. And, and also like... Uh, I know there's its flaws doing that because it was all the way back in those days. But being a tower that is so high, a building that is so high and has bridge that links the entire two buildings together. It's like, oh, wow. And even people who come from abroad, no tourists or anything like that, they would go like, it's a marvel. It is a marvel. But that's the only marvel we have. I feel like, I mean in a really wide aspect. There are other individual houses, homes, designed by architects that I really put in design, but that's it, you know? Houses that are letting, are having this creativity. What about the urban styles? What about the urban life? What about the city buildings? You know, those don't have designs. Why? It's not like there's no one living there. Yeah, sure, houses are important because we stay at home. We want to have a better lifestyle at home. And COVID now, you know, like houses should be, accommodating the fit work and their daily house balance. But it's like, what about those city, the skyscrapers? It's built out of for profit, you know? There's no design. Mm-hmm. And 
because of and also it reflects on how our people can live a life or have a lifestyle. Mundane buildings are gonna create mundane people. Mundane, mm-hmm. not as in sense as in boring people, but as in sense that people don't have satisfaction. Mm-hmm. They're gonna create that kind of like vibe, you know. So mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like if you play around, you have buildings that are so fun and ex- you know, even it feels like you're just on a trip every time you go down the city. You enjoy walking down the city. You enjoy looking at the architecture. You enjoy being there. The city planning it comes down to city planning. It's on the urban planning. It comes down to architectural aspects. I feel like it makes such a city such a beautiful thing, you know. And having the need personally for me to go abroad is very high yeah. because of what I explained. You know, Malaysia just doesn't has like a I would say they don't really reward, like I mentioned, don't really reward design. That's why there's really not, there's nothing much to learn from Malaysian designs. But it's just that I feel that there's so much more to learn abroad too. You know, down to how do people plan the cities or what designs implement, how do you make sure that it doesn't look so weird. But it looks so beautiful at the same time, standing out. You know, a lot, a, a lot of us in architecture, like you say, like stand out but fade in. You know, like it's just there, but you don't know it's there, but you can see it's there. You know, it's like that beauty that you don't realize until you arrive, and it's so specific to that city that you know. If I tell you Sydney Opera House, you're gonna be like, oh yeah. Or if I yeah, tell I you like, yeah, straight up, just like, even though if I said Opera House, right, you're just gonna straight away think. It's in Sydney. You yeah. know it's so like, in Sydney. So like in, so like in Malaysia, like what, what buildings do you like the most? Oh, um, yeah. So Personally, like right, like right. Two of them. Two of them. Two of them right now. I mean, just not mention KLCC, but that's so general. Mm-hmm. But I would say personally, right now is um, there's this architectural firm called um, building called Pam Center. You've never heard mm-hmm. of it? Nope. I'm also doing research on it right now, and what I really like is that it takes a lot of like a natural it's very a natural supporting building where it takes natural ventilation sunlighting it doesn't use a lot of electricity and that's what i like you know you promote design and lifestyle and they have like this courtyards or like not courtyards just like spaces open spaces that allows you to learn with other people it's like a co-working space you know they have normal offices yeah but they have co-working spaces too and it's just it's just something that you wish or you want in an office, a normal office that you can still work but still have that leisure of working with who you want rather than a cubicle nine mm. to five day, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's it's so like it's something that I feel like design is important and Malaysia sometimes lacks that, you know. Yeah. Another another yeah. uh, I wouldn't say like building. But I mean, something that's yeah. like piquing me interest is like, uh, you know, there's an architect um, who's called B.I.G. Bajak Inkles. People are going to kill me for his pronunciation of his name, but he's planning to design Penang, right? Redesign Penang. I don't know how many of you all have heard it, but he's redesigning Penang and islands and archipelago. Uh, archip- oh, that's that word I can't pronounce, <laughs> but um, 
basically make it really tiny islands that merges together or, and like form like a city itself. And I'm really looking forward to it. Actually, a lot of my architectures are like, let's just go down and have a trip once it's built. But then because of COVID, it couldn't be built. So it was kind of upsetting. So yeah, and I feel that one of the other designs that are being done in Malaysia is that they are starting to encourage um, bamboo designs, natural bamboo. materials. So it's very interesting. And like personally for me also, like I really like um, historical value in buildings mm. and how much it how much it uh, sort of like reflects the history up until now. But I wouldn't say that I know um, architecture that some people design are bad. They are bad ones. They are solid bad ones. But there are some really, really good ones. Mm. So even, even like there's this uh, building, it's sort of similar. It's like a planter box. Yeah. Um, so if you actually search it up, Planter box, um, planter box architecture, right? and but there was one in Malaysia. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That it is. It is the one in Malaysia, right? Sorry. There's another one overseas too. But if you search up, um, it's everybody will come to this. Almost every architect will come back to this planter box house, right? If you Google it up, it's it's something like you would really want, you know, like this designs like you just want to explore and have something that respects the environment, your site. And gives you like that work-life balance. Mm. So yeah, yeah. Well, I feel like, like we, yeah, I feel like that's why I I feel like going abroad gives you that that exposure to other kinds of design, other kinds of architecture that makes you pique your interest. Of course, it's not a necessity, but for me, it's a huge want. Right, it's a plus then. Mhm. Mhm. So, okay, so after, like, like, you say, like, everything, like, wow, like, architecture just woke for me right now. But, like, let's jump into another um, topic, which is about, I am very well aware that you have this, or, not organization, like a business, small business that you did. Like It's not really business. Class. But, like, sort of like a, like a charity kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah, it's a, it's basically a charity organization that you know we just, me and my uh, architecture friends just decided to open up. I wouldn't say that it's a business because we aren't really earning profit from it. Well, the idea is to have a business model and to also have a sideline for charity because we do want to continue on doing charity because it's really rewarding. Like. I mentioned, you know, we really like things that are rewarding. The first rewarding is to see to be able to help out those people. But as students, um, it's a little bit hard, and and also time, you know. So the thing is, this charity organization we call it Kitai. So it's inspired from a Japanese uh, phrase that you know to hope for, to expect, you know. So we sort of like giving this hope for those people that who need these funds. Uh, give them like a hope to look forward that, that there could be a better there will be people who are helping them or for us you know hope that don't, these people won't struggle anymore you know something that are sort of also that we can be able to help these people out as people who are donating and for us chari- for a charity organization 
organizers or like for us designing these things or planning these things, we just kind of thought that, you know, we are students, but we just want to help out a little. And just mm-hmm. thought we can also, at the process, we can also design and learn designing skills. So it's a win-win, all-around win situation that we were thinking. Mm-hmm. But um, the fun thing is that it was very rewarding in the sense that our first project that we did was such a huge success. It was we used to be called Nickel for Fun, but then it was mainly for a school project. But then we moved on and we rebranded ourselves called Kitai, and we realized that kind of odd people would rather donate for animals than humans themselves. Yeah, that's what we found out. Yeah, whoa. And the thing is, like, when we had Nickel for Fun, it was for a cat shelter, and we raised quite a fair bit, like up to like two plus k solid profit you know to give Mm -hmm. back to the shelter and what we raise right now for the for CISO which is a a food waste uh, non like that's a food waste like disencourager like non-organization non-profit organization so it's like sorry my brain's a bit dead at this point but yeah basically they're a non-profit organization that encourages uh, people not to waste food and to how to like uh, help out those who need food so like, we kind of thought that we could reach help help them out you know but through this experience I felt that it was really it was starting to be a bit demotivating because we realized that we kind of thought that a lot of people would help out more you know especially during COVID there are homeless people who don't have food they they are actually physically starving on the on the streets and Cecil was trying to hand this hand out food to them like I mean we only take eight ringgit for us to eat a meal and for us to just donate eight bucks or even less you know, it, it could just help them out them just eat. But I realized that it was a really, we had really little donations this time around. And I know we are also having financial issues for ourselves, for sure. But even for us to spread the word or just to ask anyone who would just help out, you know, they all were like, nah, it's okay. I, I don't think they will help out. Like they, they straight up shut down the moment we said that it's for food, for people. And it gets shut down instantly. But the moment we talk about cat shelters or dog shelters, or like we got to help out these animals, people share the post like insane. Insane amounts, honestly. They don't even hesitate. We don't even ask them to share it. They just do it on their own. So it was a little demotivating in that sense because we kind of thought that, you know, we were ready to help humans. But I'm not saying that we shouldn't help animals, but sort of that. And then, And then we found out that no one really wants to help out. And then our funds this time around weren't actually that high. And this sort of gave us a lot of issues. I mean, issues that we're still facing right now. I mean, yeah. if you're going to post this, issues, you know. Actually. So some of the issues are finding a supplier, especially since you're doing a non-charity uh, organization. You're going to make sure you maximize profit. But profit in this sense is that you're able to give back to the charity. So you can't just like, ask someone to donate 50 bucks and then you use that 50 bucks to give them something back you know so it's because we are we are doing like uh giving back as tokens of appreciation so what happens is we collect for example like 30 bucks for a t-shirt right Mm -hmm. and but the cost of making for one t-shirt is probably like 15 bucks so that's already half the price and 15 bucks is just the bare minimum you know so we often try to find that that 
uh, middle ground that let's say, okay, 15 bucks, we're going to give them back. So they're actually donating 15 bucks, but the 15 bucks is they get our products that we designed, you know, they pay for it. So you get something back. You don't just donate and get nothing out of it. And it also reminds you that of the deed that you've done, you know, and we appreciate that you did it. So until this point, you know, because of COVID, right, we have most of our products. And honestly, I'm so disappointed because we have most of our products to us. And the difficulty of finding a supplier was really hard because, you know, the thing about being online is uh, you can't really go to the store or, or really tell them what you want to design, customize personally. And even if you email or text them, sometimes you don't understand. And then the outcome is so different and then you're like disappointed and then you paid the money already you know because they'll ask you give you a deposit and then they say when it ships to your house then you pay the rest and then when it does arrive it looks it looks a bit like disappointing you know from what they told us they can uh, achieve and then i was just really 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 upset so that's the difficulty i would feel one of the challenges is that finding a supplier that will able to give you the sort of help you make profit for to give back to the to the organization they're helping. Because at the end of the day, you can't just donate one or two dollars. You know, it's gotta be more than that. It's not gonna just one or two dollars does help, but you know, the more the better. So yeah, I think that was one of the challenges and we had to find the the middle ground of how much someone would donate and can donate while, you know, being enough to give back to the charity organization. Organization. Back to the yeah, like CISO again. There's non-profit organizations yeah. that are doing all the jobs, you know, like the the labor that is to give back to the society. And what happened is that up until today, one of our designs are not being sent to us, and we are very, very frustrated because we have been contacting the supplier and stuff like that. And we haven't paid yet, of course. But mm. the thing is. It's so even difficult to find any other supplier that wants to do something right now in the midst of COVID because their stores are getting shut down constantly. You know, their factories, their their stock shops because of um because of like the MCO, you know. And even for them to open work, they can only have limited people at the offices or, or their their workspaces, right? Especially in a small workshop or or you know and even in a factory, you can only have limited people. So that's the challenge right now as, as someone who's trying to design and manufacture these products to these to the people who have to need it. Right, and, right. and the thing is, the other challenge is definitely finding people who want to donate. Mm. That's that's constant battle of, of doing a charity organization, right? A non-profit charity organization. Yeah, always. Finding people to donate. But also, but also, um, sort of like the challenge doing it while being an architecture student was quite, um, tedious. Not tedious, like really stressful. Because yeah, I was you, going to ask that, like, how are you going to like, you know, because because uh, like you have like so much challenges going on, yeah, with, like architectural and this online business. So, how do you manage to actually? So what happens is. Actually, right now, we took a break. We're taking a break because we can't even... We are trying so hard to actually contact the suppliers because we did put down a deposit, a small deposit, but not mm-hmm. like an an actual full hefty sum. So mm-hmm. 
the thing is they are still replying us you know these kind of things and we don't have a lot of time to sort of like handle both our studies and this thing because we did do it during our sand break we started doing our sand break which we had time but now balancing it out was very difficult and it's becoming something rewarding it's becoming something tedious you know it's like it's, it's why is it not going on or is it what's happening we can't contact them it's frustrating actually and because we are new into this this uh sort of like this business or this um path of finding people to design to manufacture our products we don't have anyone who you know we've experienced before we're just going based on people's um reviews and although it might say good review but they are they are customer service or their service towards us is really bad you know so that's not something we expect and because of that we don't have a lot of time to stress it out like how to handle it and we already struggling with our studies all over again being that this is our last year in architecture it's worse so mm. the difficulty is to find time to you know balance out or handle these suppliers i wouldn't say the designing process is the hard part we actually had a lot of fun in it it's the it's the um getting getting the stuff to the customers and getting the stuff to people who donate it or even just getting the stuff from the suppliers is such difficulty like that's why sometimes like um we question whether we should even do like items like, or products like this you know we could just ask them to donate and just give it straight to the organization but then we thought that we wanted to give it back so there's still that questioning whether we should continue on you know we are still seeking out during this period of time to do this fundraiser stuff so mm that's the challenge as of now along with um we ha- we are taking a break by the way we're taking a break from all that and we're not running the business right now because we have our finals coming up soon so the challenge was to was to really find what you want to fundraise also and also the people as i mentioned whether they are willing to donate for that cause is a huge uh, defining matter right yeah so it's good to hear um, your perspective on architecture and online business. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I have like the last question for you actually. Yeah, so, sure. Um, can you give a little bit advice to like the students or the listeners that are listening to this podcast? Um, what advice on? Advice on like you know architecture and then on life in general. Yeah. Wow. Um. Okay. I think I'll just give on what I talked about. So those students who want to do architecture, I would say, I would encourage you to do it. Honestly, I would encourage you. But I'm only encouraging you if you have that huge passion that you know you are someone who can, who sees architecture as a passion rather than just something, be, just because I say it's a huge learning curve and then you go for it. It's more of a passion, grit, something that will pull you through knowing that it's something you really want to do, right? I would say if you're already at that stage and you know that this is something you really want to do, and but everyone is turning you down or saying that you shouldn't do it, I would say just go for it. I don't, let's not talk about like the after part about career finding or job finding because every every aspect, every other courses are going to experience the same thing. You're going to find time, find it hard looking for a job, right? Especially during COVID a period or the pandemic situation but looking for a job is another aspect i would feel 
Mm. But purely, if you're really just there and you really want to do architecture, I would honestly support you to go for it. And just stop saying that, you know, other people are going to say no to you, then maybe you shouldn't think twice about it or something like that. Yes, you can think twice about it, whether it is really something you want to do. But if you're already there and you know you want to do it, you're just afraid, I would say stop. Stop thinking too much. Just take take the leap of faith and just go for it because architecture is really something that can be really, really rewarding, especially when you have passion and you have drive to learn more. But if you sometimes you doubt yourself and I mean, doubting yourself occasionally is normal, but if you start doubting whether you want to finish architecture or you can even do architecture, I think you should, you should do a bit more research on what else you can, ex, you know, aspire your, your skill sets on, you know. There are, other, there are definitely other courses or other jobs out there or careers that have similar skill sets to architecture, but the experiences are different and the needs are different, you know, for sure. And I would say if you're already in architecture, you know, applaud to you for still surviving through and still pulling through. And sometimes, honestly, we do lose passion occasionally, but what keeps us driving is what we first started off with. You know, got to look back on what really gave us that motivation, what buildings, which architect, which person, or why did we even start architect? I think for those who are starting to lose their way in architecture, even personally for me, sometimes just asking myself, why am I even doing this? Sometimes I just take a break and I look back and I go like, I want to be that that designer that doesn't, that, that doesn't neglect people's life, that doesn't neglect people's mental health. Or doesn't neglect people's emotions towards a building. And I would like to have like an architecture, an architect that, uh, I'm sorry, not half an architect, like be an architect that will be able to express these things. Of course, a lot of architects aspire to do things like this, you know, have social realms, have public spaces, have things that lets people engage with one another and be disconnected, or have connectivity and have reasoning. But Personally, for me, is that I would really want an architecture to be able to be ethical, to be able to be become a norm, you know, mm. of a work-life balance. And you know, I would tell those who are already in it, if you haven't found your style, you know, find your style, find your reason. The whole point of architecture school is for you to find a style and find what's your purpose in designing. And and every time we get rejected, I would tell you to just stop being afraid of getting rejected and just get rejected. Because every time you get rejected, you learn something new. That fear of you getting rejected sort of like prohibits you from learning more, you know? It stops you from learning more. So get, get a grow of like freaking ass thick face and just say, what's wrong with my model? Why am I, why am I doing this? Ask questions. And... Of course, sometimes you don't have to ask all the time, but when you feel that you are getting rejected, ask them why. Why is it so? If they tell you it's not good enough, why? Just delve deeper and just know that the process is is going to get you at the end and the end results are going to be really, really um, satisfying and sort of like beneficial to yourself. Even if it's not in architecture, it's going to be in life, you know? You get rejected, but but at the end of the day, you understand whether it may be that person's just an asshole or down to 
maybe that person does have a point. And sometimes maybe rejection in life makes you understand that, you know, there are better ways to go around something rather than just going straight up to the person and saying that you suck. You can just maybe, instead of saying that, you could just say like, I'm going to teach you how to do something rather than telling that person they suck. You know, something like that. Rejection can really change the way you perceive something. Can really make you value something in life. And you can also really understand architecture can teach you, you know, just the lifestyle, how to live a better lifestyle to time manage, you know. Other courses do time manage too, but I feel like architecture is worse personally. <laughs> so, and also to value friendship, honestly. A lot of things that made me realize that architecture, it takes up a lot of time. But in life that I got to take things to the pinch of salt, just how like, you take things from crits or lectures that they roast you, they burn you, they go like, oh shit, you might as well not build your building. You might as well just leave it as a blank piece of land. At least it's better the trees can grow, you know. Oh, that's the worst roast you'll ever get. Or, you know, like these things, when people tell you these things, you take it with a pinch of salt. You don't put it to heart. You learn from it. Rather than saying, oh shit, I'm a shitty person. I'm a shitty designer. I'm a shitty, uh, I'm a shitty like potato. You know, I can't, I can't learn anything. I can't do anything. But it's more to take a pinch of salt right. and salts enhances your flavor. So you, you instead of, that, that, uh-huh. you mentioned that like, it's all right. Friends value friendship. Like, yeah. Why? Like, why would you, you know? Simple thumbs is that you don't have a lot of time when you're in architecture school. And when you even get to meet up with your friends or even just have down, just come down and have a meal, you'll be really thankful you can even have a meal with them and just appreciate their presence because sometimes you're just so deep into work or, or building, you forget that they exist. Honestly saying, because you're just so into the work and you're just so worried about failing or getting the model done. Mm. So that's why I say like, it's it's really like uh, friendship is, or, or even relationships with family or friends and, or even your loved ones, right? Because it's similar, actually, I wouldn't just say in architecture, but I just feel that I personally felt it most when I'm in architecture because I rarely come out of my room, you know, to even greet my parents because I'm just sitting down here doing my model. I'm afraid that the glue, the glue will dry up and then I can't stick the model in time. Or if I don't sit down and think about my inspiration, I will lose my inspiration later on. You know, it's just like those things. And then when I actually get time and I go like, I want to spend time with my parents or I spend time with my friends or I purposely put down a project like right now, giving a podcast for my best friend Hi. because um yeah so putting down some time to just create these experiences really makes you value the experience and makes you treasure that all these tiny specks in life that you might not that might like, overlook like some people take friendship for granted no some people take relationship for parents for granted because you know that they're always there but then what if they're not what if they just realize that it's a one-way street? What if they realize that they can't be here forever, you know? I, I mean, I wouldn't say like death or anything else, but even speaking of passing away, you know, they won't be there forever. Nothing is permanent. Everything is temporal. And because of that, you know, you start to value friendship or connections with people more. And being architects and designer, you want to know how 
how these normal, like normal friendships and behaviors changes who you are, how you see something. So yeah, why I value friendship a lot more now as compared to back then is that I realized I probably have been taking some of my friendships for take for granted, knowing that they will contact me or I or we I know at the end of the day we could meet up, but because of COVID, we rarely even meet up. We rarely have a Zoom call or rarely even call. We're just in our rooms, even though we're so close to one another through internet, but we just don't call for some reason. And yeah, that's why I said that, you know, it's value. We should value these friendships or relationships that you have. Wow. I'm actually pretty touched that you say that. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, guys, treasure your friendship and then like, you know, manage, juggle your time management because it's like really crucial in uni. Life. Yeah. But like all in all, just have fun. And this is like the period for us to actually do our best and go all out in uni because you know working life is gonna be a whole new different world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But what a way yeah, to nice. like end the podcast. You know? Definitely. But before we're ending the podcast, um we were gonna do this little uh section where um my guests will give like two songs suggestions for you guys. So you know sometimes you get bored of listening to the same songs over and over again. So um, this podcast, by the end of this podcast, I will actually, yeah, Caitlin can give you um, two song suggestions. So, <laughs> do you have any, like, song suggestions? Yeah. Mm, a specific song people? suggestion? Yeah, just, like, anything. Like, it's a genre. Mm, personally, I like, like, I like, um, everyone likes lo-fi. Mm. <laughs> it helps, it really helps, like, studying. And I feel that mm, songs, like, lo-fi or instrumental, right? Mm, can really guide you or like help you in studying or like focusing on something because there's no words it's just music melodies and rhythms mm. so it's very inspirational and also like peaceful and another one I would say is nostalgic songs like I personally have been re-listening to like um my old songs like like really from childhood songs like down to like Taylor Swift's Love Story or even Maroon's Five, you know, she will be loved, you know, all these things. Oh, cute. <laughs> I feel like it really reminds you, like, it has sparks inspiration down to why you even started something, you know, just kind of like take back to you when you were a kid and sort of like re spark that passion again. So I would say, like, lo fi and childhood songs, like, these two are like a must re listen. But if the a specific two songs that you really want, it's like, um, Selena Gomez, like, say what you want to say. Oh, not Selena Gomez, say what you want to say. Who said? Who said? That part, who said? Sorry, I said the wrong one. But Selena Gomez, who said, already suddenly sparked me and, like, really made me realize, like, I just shouldn't let what people think affect me. Mm-hmm. And, like, lo-fi music. I mean, I wouldn't say a specific lo-fi music, but lo-fi just is lo-fi. One, just give one. Um, yeah. I would say, like, um, because like right now I'm listening to this uh song. It's called like uh Passion Fruit, if I'm not mistaken, by Gustav. And it's it's I I feel like it's it's like very beaty and it's very like upbeat and it's very very 
I just know, like, it reminds me of like when I need to chill, need to dance it out kind of vibes. So you can cure it out. It's a vibe. It's, it's, it isn't even spelled passion fruit. It's passion fruit. <laughs> it's P-A-S-H-U-A-H-U-N and like F-R-U-I-T. And then, yeah, you search it up. It's on Spotify. So yeah, or maybe like since you can just input like... Yeah, um, I'll just like put the link below the podcast. Or like the image of it. Like, yeah. Yeah. I would, I would do that. Yeah. All right. Thanks for the podcast. I always like, enjoyed even, it. Like, sitting, sitting down here to have like a chat with me about like all of this. For sure. For yeah. sure. For sure. Anytime. I mean, like, I, I was kind of like blown away when you said like you want to talk about architecture, and I was like, I was like, hey, it's like is, it's such a you're, you're into this while you're like studying this, so like, my yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like, thank you for listening. Yeah, we're going to end the podcast here. See you in the next one. Bye-bye.